We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Um, from a revenue perspective, locally, like in North Carolina, it we're considered, you know, kind of, and this is what my accounting was telling me, it's like one of the larger companies in the state just based on revenue. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Got it. Got it. Are you able to share that revenue? Uh, yeah. Last, well, last year we did $20 million. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode. We are recording here live from Washington, D.C. Uh, I am here with a very special guest. I think this is going to be going to this is going to be one of those really special shows. I'm here with the CEO of VIP Courier Express, Mrs. Tamala Colson. Tamala, welcome to Truck and Hustle. Thank you. So, uh, when I first met Tamala, the first question she asked me is, "How much money do you make doing your podcast?" I said, "I like her. <laughs> I like her. She cuts straight to the chase. I love people who cut straight to the chase." So uh, I said, "You know what? We have to get you on the platform." So you are a USPS carrier, yes. right? How long have you been doing that? We've been doing it since two thousand four. So probably two thousand four, close to nineteen years. We've been a carrier for wow, service. almost two decades. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, so we have a lot that we can learn from you about just the business in general. Before we, we get into that, I want to kind of talk about your origins and your background and how you even got into transportation. So where, where are you from, Tamala? I am from Charlotte, North Carolina, born and raised. Uh, I still live in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And we opened our business back in 2001. Uh, and it really just started off a whim, right? So I had a friend and he said, yo, you know, you and your brother, y'all are kind of smart. Y'all should open up a business, right? Well, I mean, my parents were entrepreneurs. My mom had a cleaning service. My dad was a barber. So being an entrepreneur wasn't unfamiliar to us. Um, and, you know, being 22, 23, I didn't really kind of take it serious. And I just randomly said, oh, by the way, Donald, who's my brother, um, you know, my friend said we should do this. We should open up a business. Any and, business. Huh? Just just a business, period. Yeah, okay. You, should, you open up a business. Got it. And he's like, well, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can open up a business. So we tossed around ideas and things like that. Um, Donald was already in trucking. Um, he had graduated from UNC, 
started working at a trucking company. Um, he had learned how to drive a tractor trailer, made his way up to HR manager. And they did a lot of, um, you know, long haul, you know, his third company did, you know, long distance things. And one of the things he came up with is, hey, there is actually a market for same day, next day expedite um, services where someone say, hey, you want to take this from Charlotte to Raleigh or Charlotte to Florida? And that's kind of where we stuck it, right? Yeah. I mean, there's our market, there's our niche. Um, and I, I would say that was probably August. Okay. In January, we opened our doors. I Got mean, it. It was just, okay. Um, and back then, I, you know, corporate America, I, I mean, I knew how to write a business plan, right? So what were you doing in corporate America? I was a project manager. Manager. Okay. But um, young though, you were a young project. You said you were like in your early 20s at yes. this point? Okay. Yes, I was, I was doing pretty decent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So young project manager. Yes. So you, you're corporate America and, and your brother's working for a trucking company and you yeah. find this opportunity. Go ahead, continue to start. Yeah. So we, you know, start writing. <clears throat> the big thing about doing a business plan and to make it less stressful, you know, what I told Donald, we had notebooks, just carry your notebook around, and we focus on the who, what, when, where, and how. And that's kind of like our business plan. None of this formal template, I mean, that kind of, you know, holds you down because I'll hold you back because then all of a sudden you're looking for someone to deliver this for you. Do you know what I mean? So we really kept it very simple. Uh, Did you get that from your parents, that strategy, like the who, what, when, where, and how, or who came up with that? I was, like that. I mean, that was kind of me, right? That was, okay, okay. <laughs> Got it. No, I like it. Just but cut you know to the I mean? chase. Who, yeah. what, when, where, because and how. if you have a goal, I mean, a lot of people say they have like a business plan or they want to open up a business and you, we carry these things around in our head. Yeah. And then if you start thinking about, let's put a business plan together. If you're not familiar with a business plan or if that's not something that you have experience doing, I mean, it it holds you back because then all of a sudden the goal becomes you trying to find someone to write a business plan for you and you actually telling someone else. So instead of doing that, just put it in a notebook and let's start writing it down. That's and right. then we'll be able to you know, develop some milestones from there. And that's kind of how that happened. Um, Donald actually had the unfortunate but fortunate uh, occurrence where like in November, he was laid off from his job. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, it's on now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, it's, it's time. It's on now. And interestingly enough, you know, like I said, my brother graduated from UNC. He, you know, at that point he had a daughter. Uh, they built a house, he and his wife. And my mom, you know, was saying, my parents, like, you need to get a job, you need to get a job. I was like, look, the worst thing that could happen is it fails. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you just go back to work. I mean, he graduated from UNC, so, you know, that school has a network. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he couldn't find a job. He could always fall back on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, it's too late now. <laughs> and, I mean, back then I did very well. You know, someone that's 23, 24, I had a really good salary. So I had money, no kids, you know, no real bills at that point. I mean, I basically was able to have a check and a half where I could contribute to the business. So I'm like, it's, I mean, you know, and right. that was it. Yeah. We had, um, <clears throat> my uncle owns a limousine service. He, um, my brother would drive for him occasionally. And one day he was driving for a gentleman and the guy says, <clears throat> you know, what are you writing down? 
And of course, it's our business plan. And, you know, my brother explained, this is what we're doing. And he said, tell you what, if you open up that business, I'll be your first customer. Okay. Um, and that was one of our, literally one of our first customers that we were doing deliveries for. And while we were doing a delivery for him, uh, we ran into, my brother was like in a hospital and he happened to ask a guy in the elevator, how do you get on as a vendor or supplier here? And lo and behold, he was talking to the supply chain director. Mm. Come and see me, young man. You know, here's my car. Call me on the phone. I'll tell you what to do. Uh, and that was, say, February. Yeah. Their RFPs were coming out maybe April for those um, routes to start in May. Got it. So before you continue, at, at, the, at this beginning point, what, what is the business? What does the business look like? What, what do you guys have, a van or something like that? Like we, you're doing like courier um, service? Yep, we got an office. Um, I had $5,000. We actually brought a box truck. Okay. Like a straight truck. Yeah. My parents had a silhouette van, uh, and they allowed us to use that. Okay. So uh, that's literally how we started. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money per se, like SBA and a lot of other places, because still, when you're young in your business, nobody wants to give you a loan. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Without being a personal guarantor. and. The scrutiny and, you know, the underwriting, I mean, it was still very tough back then, even as a minority business. So we just kind of used the money that we had already. I mean, I brought a gateway computer. Okay. <clears throat> I'm like, I took that to the office. We had desk. Yeah. And, uh, and that's our business was birth. Just just like that. So, so the plan was to buy a box truck. You have this other van, and you guys were going to do deliv deliveries for who? What was your business plan at that time? That was. Um, so I know you said the guy was going to be your first customer, but yep. what was you guys' plan? Like we were make we had flyers. Um, and we were just kind of calling around. Um, Donald, with him being at home, um, you know, we had a lot of time to do a little bit of sales. Right, he was in HR. He was already in trucking, so he already had some trucking connections. Mm -hmm. um, coincidentally, um, when he was at home also, he had a ring at the doorbell, and uh, two guys from the office where he formerly worked said, hey, I heard you were starting a business, and we want to come work for you. Okay. So now, before we even open our doors. You got employees. We, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had two employees. So, yeah. So, we did a lot of just kind of cold calls. Like I said, Donald was already in trucking. Uh, he had some networks that he could reach out to. Uh, definitely the gentleman. Uh, that guy gave us contacts. And, you know, we just kind of passed out flyers. And as we grew um, our business, like sometimes when you make deliveries, to companies, mm -hmm. those actual companies have deliveries that need to be made themselves. Yeah. So you kind of that's kind of how we grew our business. We had we do a delivery one place, and you know people are like, well, hey, you know, you guys have a business. I may need some help. Right. Doing this. Right. And that's literally how we grew our business. Just off that network. So what are you delivering at this point? We do a lot. Of, we have not two, now, but then at that point when you first started, what well, type? Well, the commodity depends upon the customer. Okay. So, what type I mean, of commodities? Though, give us an idea. It could be air conditioned units. Okay. It could be anything that's on the pallet. I'm, and I'm trying to think um, totes, any chemicals, um, 
So it was like same day delivery type of stuff? Yep. Okay. We did a lot of courier too. So sometimes it was letters. Sometimes it was um, packages. Um, a lot of times there were manufacturing plants that need a particular product. Uh, they run out of whatever it is they need to keep their production line going. So we did a lot of that. Okay. Uh, tools. Okay. Um, we did a lot of that as well. Got it. I know. I know. I'm taking you back too. So yeah, I'm yeah. Glad. <laughs> but, and that's fine too because some of those places we could probably, obviously, we've grown beyond. Yeah. Some of those customers, but it's good to reminisce because yeah. I'm like I might need to call on them. <laughs> you know, hey, For sure. Remember us, right. You know remember us I mean? from back in the nineties. <laughs> yes. Back in the early two thousands. Yep. All right, cool. So uh that that was the beginning. Now tell me about how you guys started to grow the business. Continue the, with the story. Um so when we got the um the RFP from that guy, I mean it was huge. I mean it was it was it was like, huge. What do you mean by that? Meaning for us, okay. I mean we were able to put four or five people on it. It was a lot of routes mm. for a hospital. It was mail. It was blood. It was all the things, supplies, beds that the hospital may transfer, medical records from one place to another. Mm. Um, and from there, you know, going back to you know, going to some of these same places and people seeing you and saying, hey, my cousin works for A, B, and C company, and they use people like you guys. You know what I mean? Because we were dropping flyers at most of the places that we were delivering to. Yeah. So the first couple of years, our business grew just by word of mouth. Right. Having good employees that were salespeople um, because the more work we had, the more money that they made. Got it. How did you guys understand pricing early? Because you talk about these RFPs that you were getting. How did you understand how to price those, you know, just in the beginning of your business? Or did you just kind of wing it? We kind of winged it a little bit. Um, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say that my brother was very charismatic. Uh, and he had a way of being able to have a conversation with the folks about, you know, where are they, where, what are the people that are currently doing it? What's their rate? Okay. Um, and you kind of play off that. Uh, whether or not they were supposed to disclose, disclose that, it, I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of where we started our rates um, and then trying to figure out, you know, if we make, you know, $10, for example, and that's not the amount, but if we make $10, we pay our employees, you know, six of it, and then we'll keep, you know, 20 for, you know, two for expenses, and then the two goes in our pocket. You know what I mean? Right. We, had to figure out a formula so we could make money. How'd that and, work for you? I mean, it sometimes it's good. Now initially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we did very well. But as you know, you get bigger contracts, obviously things change. But we did very well. I mean, we didn't. We just increased the price a little bit um, from what the people are doing it currently. But I think that you know, a lot of times these companies see people doing these contracts that don't look like us. Mm. So you got two educated black people walking in the door, our presentations well, our documentations well. And, you know, people just gave us a try. Sometimes it's like, look, your number's too low. It needs to be somewhere here. I'm like, okay, well, thanks for doing it. Or maybe they say the person who's doing it 
right now is doing it for this. Like I said earlier, we just kind of play off that. So would you say that being a minority in business at that point was helped or was did it, was, did it handicap you? Both. Um, I Expound think, on that. Um, it handicapped us because people hold us to a higher standard. Do you know what I mean? Okay. If we mess up, it's God awful. Even if it's, we're five minutes late, it's God awful. We're, another supplier could be 20 minutes late and it's, oh, don't worry about it. I mean, we got a couple, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it helped us because I think a lot of times these companies are not used to seeing people that look like us that walk in the door. I mean, trucking and, you know, transportation, I mean, they're, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody, right? But there's, certain type of mentality or, you know, culture that walks in the door. And that's the same old people that you see. Yeah. Well, then you have some, you know, young, sharp black people come in. They know what they're talking about. We're very business savvy and they're interested. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, okay, well, this is a change because we don't normally see that. You, you know stood I mean? out. We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan, man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. Yeah, 100%. Okay, continue with the story as you guys continue to grow. So we just grew. I mean, I, like I said, the first few years, we started in 2001. These contracts, they grew. Um, RFPs come out every year. Sometimes they're two years. Sometimes they're one-year contract. Put the growth in context. Like you started off with like, let's say, one or two vans, and you grew to like how many how many pieces of equipment did you guys grow to or was it like a number of contracts like just so we understand how how you grow with our courier contracts a lot of our employees use their own cars okay um so we started out i'm trying to remember we had that same straight truck um for a while i think we maybe added two or three to it okay um our big break um really came when one of our employees um, and he had a tractor. He was doing some independent contractor work for us. Um, one of our employees came with an RFP for the post office. Okay. And it looked something like this. And I thought it needed eight trucks. And I was looking at Donald and his employees like, what did you think about this? And, you know, he handed it to us like, I want to do this. And it's like, okay. And so he leaves. And it's like, he has no idea what to do with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. I, we're looking at each other like, okay, well, we need to ask him, is it okay if we bid on it? Right. Because he, I mean, these RFPs can be very complex. For sure. You know, the qualifications and what they're asking for. If you're not familiar with getting the RFP that have eight pages with the terms and conditions and things like that. You're not going to know what to do with it. Got it. Um, so he had it for himself. Yes. Got it. Um, he didn't have the you know, means to kind of implement it. But he said, hey, can you guys help me with it? And it's like, I mean, what do you want us to do? Right. You know what I mean? Um, we can bid on it for ourselves and you can participate. But 
what else are you expecting? Right. Where'd he um, find the opportunity? He just stumbled upon it? Someone gave him this RFP. Okay. Um, and we, we gravitated to it. We you know, looked through every single page. We checked the box. Obviously, you know, when you have these RFPs, there's criteria. Well, we meet this, we meet this, we meet this, we meet this. You know what I mean? Um, and what I, year is this? That was 2004. 2004, okay. Um, our big thing was being able to have capital. They wanted you to have... Um, two months of payroll, uh, and we needed to buy eight trucks. Okay. Uh, and- This was a, was, a, was a requirement? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we needed eight trucks, and you know, we are already a small business working with um, a banker, uh, and she took care of it. She said, I will make sure that you have a line of credit, not necessarily the cash, but you can leverage the line of credit for your payroll. Mm. And she makes sure that we we're able to get, I would say, two or three loans, and we're able to pick up those eight trucks. So you're able to get the eight trucks at once. Mm -hmm. Okay, what kind of trucks did you guys get? They were box trucks. There were eight box trucks. Okay, eight yeah, box trucks. Seven or eight box trucks um, that we picked up. All right, and this is 2004. So talk to me about getting started with the post office. I mean, the good thing about the post office is traditionally, um, the people, the the employees, they tend to stick with suppliers. So literally, we got those trucks. Um, one of the um, employees had reached out, you know, hey, my name is Charlie. I, you know, I want to be the manager. I heard you guys got the contract. I want to be the manager of your contract. Mm. I have the current employees who are working on uh, the contract already, and we want to continue on with our normal jobs. So prior to getting oh, this was some, sorry to interrupt, but this somebody else somebody else had the contract previous to you. Yes. So they transitioned over to your company. The employees. The employees did. Yes. Got it. So they they'd like talk and they're like, oh, we hear VIP has it now. Yes. So okay, got it. That you know ended up us you know prior to getting our trucks and rolling those out, we went up, we met with those guys, and you know everybody was just happy. And for them, it's business as usual. There's just a new employer. Yeah. Um, and that man, they really, they taught us the business, really, because um, they knew the routes, they knew, um, you know, what's expected at the post office, what's extra, what's late, and how to navigate. Yeah. Um, they were literally self-sufficient. They knew how to manage their maintenance. They knew how to manage their scheduling. Uh, and if they needed time off, they just talked to their manager and they kind of worked amongst themselves mm. to, um, you know, schedule that time. So for us, it's like, man, this is thank you for my job. These people are appreciative and they just kind of manage themselves. Right. So all um, you had to do was supply the equipment and they did everything else. Yeah. That's yeah. that's great. That doesn't happen all the time. Well, <laughs> right. And then it's like, oh, these are great employees. We need to do more of this. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. So we um, I, we probably did that for five years. Um, and my brother um, ended up talking to one of the contracting officers. And they told us about the National Star Route Organization. So okay. That's kind of how we got involved with the organization and attending the meetings. Donald mostly attended the meetings um, and being able to start talking to other suppliers and started understanding more about 
you know, how all of this works with costs, worksheets, and how do you get more contracts? Yeah. Um, so when you first got started, what, what did those routes look like for the USPS? What were, what were you doing? They were box trucks. So, and we still have those same routes. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. 20 years later, you still run the same exact routes? We have the same routes and they've grown or shortened or whatever the case yeah. may be. But, uh, and I still have three of the original um, employees. So, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's uh, a great thing, but okay. Loyalty is wow. Like, and, and then when we had one to retire, I'm like, I almost started crying. It's like, are you, are you sure? I mean, you look healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I know. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of post right, office. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so they're like, with the post office, you know, you have your plant to plant. Mm -hmm. uh, so we take mail from a plant to um, like a, another facility. Um, and then from there, you have box trucks that grab the mail and they take them to the smaller post offices. Mm. So the mail comes from, if you're from North Carolina, it comes from Greensboro, North Carolina, and it goes to Boone, North Carolina. These are mountains like Morganton, uh, Stacewell. And then from there, North Wilkesboro, um, and Newton, I, I got to say all five. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Those guys, our box truck drivers, pick them up and they start delivering to the smaller post offices. And then the post offices take them out and then go house to house with yes. them. Okay, okay, got it. So um, the the business seemed like it was pretty pretty turnkey to a certain extent in the beginning. Like it's like you you had to get the equipment, but in terms of like having the personnel and everything, that was all kind of already there for you, right? For the post office. For the post office. Yeah. Got it. Now I I've gotta say yeah. being in business is never easy yeah um there's not necessarily a book that we read to say manage your business this way do you know what i mean so we've made mistakes along the way we've had bad decisions um but mostly you know starting out young you you know you're very hungry uh and when when people say well how can i start a business and all this other stuff i always say you know it's really easy to start a business but sustainability is where you really want to focus on do you know what i mean because that's the hard part mm. you know if you get a check from the post office for your mail route says two hundred thousand dollars that's not two hundred thousand dollars for tamala <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> that's even right. though it's in my account or my business account that doesn't mean i'll go write a check and go get myself a lexus yeah do you know what i mean yeah. so that you know we've had to learn a lot of lessons along the way what does you use the word sustainability? What what does you just gave an example, but what are some other examples of what sustainability means to you? Um, just making sure you maintain good relationships with your customers because you want to make sure that your customers know who you are uh, and they're going to continue to support you. And then the financials, right? You want to make sure that you pay yourself a salary. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a lot of. Um, people that leave my company and they want to be owner operator and i'm like make sure if that route pays you two thousand dollars a day for example out of that two thousand dollars you need to carve yourself a salary out of that mm. so you're not paying your truck payment your insurance payment your car payment and all of a sudden you don't know what's what because people get confused with this idea of profit versus revenue do you know what i mean you really want to make sure that you get a salary, establish your expenses, and reinvest some of your 
you know, revenue back, I mean, your profit back into your company so you can grow. How do you know when it's time to do that? That's because for a lot of business owners, it's difficult to, you know, take a salary because they feel like, you know, they're just barely getting by with the business, with the revenue that they're generating, especially get like early in the business. How do you know when it's time to take a salary and how do you decide what that amount should be? That's, that's an individual choice. Right? Mm. I mean, I, I mean, how did I, you do it? I just made up a number. Um, in terms of what I thought my value is. Obviously, my lifestyle, um, you know, back then, I didn't need, when we first started, I didn't need a lot of money because I already did well in my current job. Right. So for the first few years, I didn't get paid anything. I paid out, maybe I expense meals every now and then, but um, I didn't take any money because we were focused on growing the business. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you want, if people are looking at their salary, they shouldn't really look at their lifestyle. I mean, most people that are starting business, they already have a budget or a household that they're trying to maintain. And you just got to be a little bit conservative until you can start growing your business. So it's hard to really quantify what people should do because you just never know, um, you know, where their expenses are. But I would never say you want to take more than half of what you make because the business has to be able to grow. Yeah. It has to have money. So when opportunity comes, you have money to go purchase equipment or a building or real estate or even give your employees bonuses or yourself just because you've earned it. Yeah, for sure. When when you guys kind of, you know, pivoted into the USPS, into the post office, did you stop doing the other services that you were doing or did you continue no. to do that? That business continued to grow. We still do freight. We call that side freight, also courier. So in Charlotte, our, our corporate office in Charlotte, and that's what it's based on. We do a lot of same day, next day. We have a lot of, you know, direct customers that we still do business with. So um, that's, side of it continues to grow. So that continued to grow. Okay, got you. So how did you grow within the post office? Talk about the growth there. You started with eight trucks in 2000 and we said four. four. So like year over year, kind of talk to me like the growth. We um, had bidded on contracts, um, you know, throughout. Um, and there were contracts that we didn't get. Um, and like I said, Donald joined the association. He got a feel of, you know, meeting some of the office of the contracting officers um, around, you know, some of the other suppliers and they kind of help you get your numbers right. So in 2013, we brought on, I would say 13 more. Um, Units, trucks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we grew and this is when we got into the Greensboro space. Um, and you know, so now instead of our employees um, just taking the mail, you know, grabbing it and taking it out. We're now the company that brings it from Greensboro to the guys. Mm. Um, so we just had a little bit of that going on as well. Got it. So for you guys, you would uh, first bid on the contract. And then if you're awarded the contract, you'd then get the equipment to fulfill the, 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 the contract. Is that how it kind of works? You make sure you can get to the equipment first. You've right. got to say, okay, I'm looking at this. You've got to do the pricing and make sure it's available within the starting time. So it's kind of you do all of it. You're pricing for the insurance, 
pricing for the vehicle. You look at the wages and things like that. Yeah. Because you can't just get a contract and go, oh, my goodness, I, I need 15 trucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You've got to have an idea, you know, of where you can get those 15 trucks, those trailers, and how soon you can get it. And that's uh, how that works. Got it. How competitive are the are the contracts? Is there, are they are they difficult to to win? Is it very competitive? Like, can you talk about that? It, it can be. I mean, they do give you a debriefing. Um, what do you mean by a, a debriefing? If you don't get it, you, oh, they tell you I why. Mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, and you'll see, you know, what the other people's bids are. Uh, I think it's based on a number of things, right? Just capability, um, your financial um, stability, because it might be easier to give a contract to a company that's larger, that's more financially stable versus a smaller company that may not be as financially stable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think a lot of it is there's a lot that goes into these guys and that's you've got the subjective part and you've got the objective part mm. to me. Now this is just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got, you know, the objective part where they, you, they're looking to make sure you fulfill the criteria, but they, they've got to you know, also get a good feel of whether or not you'll be successful. It's a little bit of science involved too, right? Like they're kind of, like you said, it's data and then it's like some science. Like, okay, well, <laughs> we, we don't know if we'll see. Like you got to kind of judge you based on whatever that those things are. That is my perception. Yeah, yeah. And I think most of us do that as well. I mean, when we hire people, you know, people, it's just like having a great resume, but can they actually execute and be successful? Got it. Got it. Tell me about just from, from an operator standpoint, what are some of the things like the KPIs that you guys have to hit the, the different targets year over year to be successful? We really focus on timeliness. Um, we focus on, so like I said, we do have two lines of businesses, right? We have freight um, and we also have um, the postal. Now, when we're looking at people that do freight and our employees, I mean, every week we are, we measure how much money they're making for the business mm. because you can get someone a salary, say if you're paying them $500 a week. And again, my numbers are very conservative just to keep it simple. Stupid. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're, we're paying them $500 a week, but they only generate $600 in revenue. I mean, $100, that's no good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes we have to change up how that person gets paid. Maybe instead of paying them a salary, maybe they get um, paid by what they do. So uh, we look at how much revenue a driver can bring. Uh, we look at timeliness. Um, we look at fuel cost because sometimes certain runs are not good to do. I mean, you can get a run that takes you out 300 miles, but there's nothing to come back, you come back empty, which they call it a deadhead run, mm -hmm. empty miles. So that's just, you've just wasted um, your money because, you know, you only got paid one way. Now you just about lost half of it coming back with nothing on the back. Are you able to pick up backhauls at all when you're running for them or how does that work? Well, normally, no. No, yeah, I mean, the post to. office don't really want you to kind of integrate anything right. else. I mean, a lot of backhauls would be like empty equipment and they'll give you an extra trip slip. But um, no, they, I mean, and we don't mix the postal trucks with other um, freight 
at all. We don't do that. So our freight trucks are dedicated to freight and postal has, you know, postal. Gotcha. How, how do you like run into two different businesses, like in terms of like accounting for that? Like how, how does that work for you? Cause it's like two separate entities, right? Yes. Is that, does that complicate things? It does. And that's one of the things that like in terms of milestones or goals is I'm looking to kind of separate those out um, because you, we got to be clear. It's, it's a hard calculation to break, break them out. Uh, and maybe the postal, you know, maybe you've lost money over here due to maintenance or you've had to eat some costs. And what happens is freight may have to pick that slack up. Um, so I want to make sure, and that's literally what we're doing for the beginning of next year is separate those out mm. so we can really have a clear delineation of the two businesses as opposed to me doing it manual and it's <laughs> a whole bunch of hard work but we do um <clears throat> and i have one or two employees that may do both but in general everything is pretty much separate we just need to formally separate it just so that we can actually see a better picture of that Got it. And you said you've had the same contracts for 20, 20 years. Is, is that because you guys are just that good? Or is that because you don't have anybody competing against you in the, in the space, in the area? Um, I would say both. Um, the, one, um, the one contract that we've had for a while, um, the predecessors, they've, I mean, they've all gone out of business. Mm. Um, and it's a rural North Carolina area. So you know, that's a commitment you know, to have trucks up that, that way. Yeah. Um, we've had to rebid maybe once. Um, and I don't remember if there was anybody else that bid it on it, but we've had to rebid on it before. Yeah. We just, re we've got a contract, so. Got it. What are, uh, in doing this for such a long time, what are some of the biggest changes in the, the, the USPS um, the operation that you see now that maybe it wasn't like this before, like some of the things that are kind of different that maybe impacts your business the most? The biggest impact today <clears throat> is the technology. Um, USPS is rolling out technology that will allow more metrics driven, um, more accountability. They want to be able to see, track the truck in real time. Um, they want to be able to know the actual miles and want to make sure that you're kind of doing what you're supposed to do with the vehicles <laughs> that you allocated to these contracts, basically. Yeah. So for us, that's a big change. Um, we've held off on technology for a very long time. And a lot of it is due to just drivers not having the right equipment, the right phones, um, and not having the skill set. I mean, I remember when people were learning how to text. And I know it wasn't long ago, but you know what I mean? Yeah. With, with truck drivers, you know, you had the walkie-talkies, and then you had Nextels. I mean, all of that traditionally is what a lot of truck drivers feel comfortable with. So now we have smartphones, uh, and people are, you know, are going to have to use them. You know what I mean? I, a lot of the guys are, you know, they got fat fingers or... <laughs> have been resistant to the technology. So the impact to us is that we've got to onboard or train people to use the technology in preparation of this big technology rollout that the police, the, the post office actually doing. 
Got it. And how how is that going? How are they adapting to that? <laughs> <laughs> I you know the difficult part about you know this interview is being deliberate about not being too negative. Um, but I'll say that um, yeah, it's going all right. Do you know what I mean? People have been um, unwilling to adopt change. Uh, and I get it. And we have people that worked at the post office for years and years and years. They've been a supplier employee for years and years and years. You have people that, you know, postal workers, a postmaster, and all of the people are saying, hey, this is just noise. This will blow over. And I have my drivers, my employees, that are listening to this noise. And I'm like, look, you can listen to them if you want to. I'm here with the executives. I'm hearing what's coming down. These people that are um, you're talking to locally, they may not even be around. I mean, especially if they're not going to adopt the change. Yeah. So I have said that this is the direction my company's going and that you have two choices. I mean, you don't have to do it. I mean, you just need to find a company that will allow you, you know, the ability to just, you know, do things manually. But we're moving to a technology solution. Mm. And I mean, either you like it or you don't. I mean, that's pretty much what the post office has said to us. Yeah. Either you want to do it or you don't. But, you know, don't <sighs> impact our ability to um, do what the post office does. How supportive is the post office and how flexible are they? Like, are, do they work in tandem with the couriers or is it kind of like you guys are just kind of separate doing your own thing or are you guys kind of working together? I know you guys are getting the dispatch and everything kind of from them, but how is that relationship with the contractors? Um, well, when you say the post office, you know, you've got your area <clears throat> employees, your transportation managers that work with people locally and they Again, some of those guys are resistant. And then you have, <clears throat> excuse me, like your supply chain, your contracting officers. I mean, they, they're responsive. They, you know, for the most part, especially if you have questions about the technology. Because this is a big rollout for everybody. Yeah, and this is them rolling them, that out to you guys. This yes. is and the people in the office. I mean, that's new technology that they're using as well. So yeah. we're all kind of being baptized and this you know adopting this new technology that's being rolled out yeah so i think people are going with the flow i think that's the safest thing to say because a lot of those guys don't know how it's going to look i mean they have to wait until this new technology comes to their site i mean they can hear ramblings from other people but you know, as with anything they've got to go with the flow got it how is it being a woman as it relates to your employees? Now that's a little tricky. <clears throat> Cause I always, you know, I have to, I've switched to having people call me Miss Tamala or Miss Colson. And the reason why is because, you know, maybe I remind them of their wife or their girlfriend <laughs> and they get confused about our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how else. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? That's so funny. I mean, you know what I mean? I get it. So, uh, you know, I'm useful. I'm not, <laughs> you know, somebody's grandma, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have to be careful. And even when I talk to people, 
Um, I don't want to come across as some nagging black female. Um, so I have to be deliberate in how I say, <clears throat> excuse me, what I say. Um, I also try to push those guys back down to their manager and have them talk to their manager and then their manager bring it to me because I can have a pretty decent conversation with the manager versus sometimes, like I said, the employee is, oh, she's cool. She's nice. And yeah. I may be cool. I may be nice, but that's just that day. You know what I mean? Because right. if you come with me with something stupid and then I'm like, okay, I really don't have time for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So try to push those guys back to the manager. Um, I also, I have another brother and I should say the one thing I omitted earlier is that my brother, who's my business partner, he actually passed away. Oh, um, wow. Last year. Oh, wow. Sorry um, to hear in that. In January 2022. So oh, I am wow. the only owner here. Got so, it. Um, that kind of adds to the complexity of the, the relationship. So that's why I've been a little bit more deliberate in making sure these guys go directly to their manager. Okay. Um, and then I have another brother who's in trucking as well. And he's signed on as a consultant. So he's the other person that can be a buffer. So let me have him call you. Um, because I, I guess there's this idea that men are nicer. Donald was a little bit more calmer. You know, he, you can give him excuses. Ah, oh, man, I understand. <laughs> I don't do excuses. Yeah. You know what I mean? For yeah. every excuse you have, I, I'll tell you, you're late. I'm like, I was late too. My, my son forgot his shoe. Or my daughter forgot a book bag. We spilled Kool-Aid because my son wanted to put some something in his water bottle. I mean, we can exchange excuses now. But let's just get back to business. <laughs> and that's because I treat everybody the same. That's that's the only way I can do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, as a result of him passing, that has been the hardest transition for a lot of the employees because they always felt like, you know, some of them felt like there was this other person that they can go to him understand yeah. me better mm. so um i do have my other brother to kind of buffer that as well um just so that there's not i mean I, like i said i'm pretty strict i mean i play by the books i play by the rules and i don't have a lot of flexibility yeah uh, my brother's also a trucker so he understands truck talk he understands he, you know he drives trucks as well so he can understand people um, from a driver perspective, and he's also a leader, so he can he has that balance uh, wow. as well. Got it. So today, what is the makeup of the company? Just to like kind of bring it home, what are you guys in terms of what you do for the post office? How many units are you guys running now? And then like on the courier side, um, what we'll talk just just so we can get a full look of what VIP Courier Express looks like. We have um, we actually operate out of. Um, let's see, three different states. We operate out of North Carolina, South Carolina, and we have some things that we do in Houston, Texas. Um, I have, um, Charlotte is my corporate office. I have a group of drivers in Charleston, North Carolina. That's about seven of them uh, down there. And, you know, Greensboro is actually my hub. And, of course, those other cities that I mentioned. Um, and then they all, well, Charlotte and Charleston are not male. Um, they're not male. They don't do male. But the other Greensboro and the other cities, Texas, they all do male. So we're probably um, 15, 20% freight, maybe, or maybe more like 
percent freight and 75 percent um, male. Um, in all, all of our contracts, probably we have, do have some subcontractors. Um, our fleet, we have over 100 trucks. Uh, and I have some subcontractors. I say they have another 25, 30 trucks. So probably in all, I would say 140, 150 units all together to fulfill all of our contracts. Got it. Are you guys one of the largest contractors in the USPS network? We're not. No, there's, there's a lot. We have, um, from a revenue perspective, locally, like in North Carolina, it, we're considered, you know, kind of, and this is what my accounting was telling me, it's like one of the larger companies in the state just based on revenue. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Got it. Got it. Are you able to share that revenue? Uh, yeah. Last, well, last year we did $20 million. $20 million? Okay, yeah. great. Um, talk to me about exit strategy. When you guys just, like, you, you have all this equipment that you're financing, that you're purchasing, I don't know if you're leasing some equipment, how do you look at getting out of this business? <laughs> I ask myself that question every day. Um, you know, when Donald was living, we always thought that, you know, as we continue to evolve our business, that we want to set it up and let it run itself, right? And then we would do other businesses um, as well. And then we talked about, well, what if someone dies or what are, what's our exit strategy? Um, and just being totally transparent, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I actually love what I do. Um, well, I think my children will do trucking. I doubt it. I mean, <laughs> what I do want my kids to learn is just the skills that's required to run a business. Yeah. It doesn't have to be trucking. I mean, they, or they could work for someone else as long as they do something. But the exit strategy, and I say I don't know, is because I feel like we're just building, we're still building, uh, and how big we can grow is to be determined. Yeah. You know what I mean? I haven't reached the point where um, I've just had enough. I mean, I'm on the other side of this is where we're going to take this company. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and once I get to a point, well, ah, I'm tired of doing it, um, then maybe that's something to consider. I mean, I'll be 50 this year, so maybe the exit strategy is probably by the time I'm 60, I'm not going to be interested in doing this anymore. Got it. Um, a lot of people, a lot of post office, a lot of people pass their business down. Um, I don't think I have that luxury. <laughs> um, my brother's children, of course. I, I mean, if this is something that they want to do, I, I mean, I, they're older. I mean, they're closer to being able to pick this up and going. Um, my kids are 5 and 11, so, I mean... There's, I mean, they won't be old enough by the time it's time for me to retire to even consider taking over, you know, this type of business. Right. So, um, but at some point, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just hyped just being able to kind of do just, you know, my brother and I would be like, dang, we just say we're going to start a business. Like, who the hell thought? Right. You get here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so people are going, oh, how's your little business going? I'm going. That little I business. <laughs> I, it's going great. It's going I don't great. Even, I don't even say anything because yeah. I don't think people would never understand, you know, what it takes to get here, uh, what lessons we have to learn, how hard it is. I mean, people just see 
hey, Tamla, I, I, if you're stressed, I never know. Right. Um, because you wear it so well. I'm like, well, you have no idea the stress that owning a business could be, particularly when you're, you're by yourself, right? Yeah. Um, I have a team. I have managers. I mean, they're, they're supporting the business. I have a great team. But at the end of the day, at night, when I'm worried about whether or not I made a good decision, I've got to think about, well, you know, I have 120 employees. I've got contractors that, you know, um, rely on the money. I've got to think about their family, all 500 people. You know what I mean? And sometimes that could be a little stressful. Yeah. Because maybe I shouldn't have told those people to kiss my tail because the numbers didn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> maybe I can suck it up for six months or one year just as a foot in the door thing. So that's like the stress that you could have, you know, when you, you have this type of business. The other part of it, you just rely on your team, making sure that everybody's meeting milestones. We're looking at our metrics, seeing if we're making money or if we're losing money. We're looking at our maintenance costs. We're looking at, okay, well, we, maybe we can buy real estate to, you know, save here. Or we can, you know, lease some other spaces out to people. Um, we also do driver leasing. We have other lines of businesses that within our business as well. We do driver leasing. We do warehousing. Uh, maybe there's some other things that we could do as well. Okay, well, that's that. we get we get into that. You got some other businesses okay. there too. So the one question I wanted to ask you just off of that: Have you ever gotten an offer to to, to sell? People call all the time. Okay, I mean, and I think there's just solicit like random. Uh, what do you call those people? Uh, they just look up like business, business brokers. They yeah. just like look for businesses and see if you want to sell it. Yeah, because I don't. Is it like a network? Like a network that will sell the business for you within like the USPS? Oh, it's kind of like you just have to sell it yourself. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. And I just want to pivot real quick because you said you have some other businesses that you started as well. So you said you, you do driver, yes. driver leasing. We have companies that um, are asset-based companies, but they need drivers Yeah. as backup. So we have drivers that we send to other companies. And this is all under the VIP Courier Express umbrella. Okay. That we send to other companies and, you know, we charge them an hourly rate. Uh, and then we have warehousing, you know, attached to your office in Charlotte is a warehouse. Got it. So customers may need to store things in there or, you know, some spare trailers that we have. And they pay a monthly fee for that. Got it. What what percentage of the business is that? Is that like a smaller part of the it's business? It's a smaller or? part. Um, I would say maybe 2 3%. Got it. Um, one of the, we have a really big customer that uses um, our business a lot, but maybe a smaller this may be a smaller part. Is this something that you're looking to expand or are you just kind of like, you like it that, like, like the way it is? I like it the way it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if I want to, the bad part about driver leasing is you always want to send your best drivers <laughs> and you run the risk of losing people. Them? Yeah. <laughs> right. You They're coaching I mean? your drivers. So it's like, I, I know one of my customers got mad at me because he was like, could I, I mean, is there any possible way I could hire them? And I said, no, absolutely not. And I think he almost fell out of his chair. <laughs> he couldn't believe I said no so quick. I mean, what do you want me to lie to him? Right, right, right. I said no. Yeah. I mean, he's like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> what do you want? You know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's a big part of why we, you know, we worry about that. Uh, and we had had a customer or two take a driver but they were 
<coughs> replaceable. Right, right, and right. And they came back and said, well, how come you didn't tell me that driver's A, B, and C? It was like, well, you wanted him. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's on you. Yeah. <laughs> now he's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. That's so happened, funny. So. Okay, cool. Uh, next, let, let's talk about some of your goals for the next, I guess, let's say two to five years. I mean, you, you've been doing this for so long now. You know, I don't know how much bigger you can get. What What are you thinking about in terms of growth? Just growth is just more business. Um, and it doesn't have to be like huge growth in post office. We do a contract called LRO, it's local route optimization. And we do what they consider their local routes. Um, I like to get more into like the Texas uh, routes where it's just more highway. I mean, there's more miles. Obviously, there's more money. There's less people right um and there's less equipment the overhead is a lot less and you could make um, money just as good as some of the other contracts the other thing is growing our freight side you know trying to build the business a little bit more getting more dedicated customers um and then ramping up um the other thing i thought about doing is brokerage um and that's, to your point, maybe next year, <laughs> um, is being able to add a broker um, side where we you know, get business and we use independent contractors. Because there's yeah. a need for that um, in, our, in our business. Because I do, I get a lot of calls. I get a lot of calls for business. I get a lot of calls for contracting opportunities, not just postal, but just other places that are looking to bring on minority carriers. I've got to be very deliberate about taking on too much business. It has to be when our infrastructure can take on more um, business. We've got everybody, everybody knows their roles. Everybody's, you know, we've got our salespeople, we've got our managers. Um, I've got to be deliberate not to grow too much faster. So obviously two to five years, grow more postal, highway contracts you know, get more direct customers with our freight and then look at doing some brokerage side of it. And brokerage is less asset-based, right? Um, so I don't have to worry about um, equipment as much. It's just more about getting drivers. And um, that's one of the things I do now. I build relationships with drivers and they're like, oh, okay, well, send us your information. And whenever we're ready to start doing some stuff, I will let you know. So um, interesting part, you know, being a minority woman, I mean, people reach out. You know what I mean? They talk about opportunities. There's, there's contracting opportunities outside of postal mm -hmm. um, that are government, and you can look at those as well. It's just we've got to really be you know, driven by dates, we've got to put milestones on our calendar and not be, it's not good to grow too fast. Got it. Do you know it. what I mean? Because yeah. you've got to consider, you know, the financials, right? Whenever you take on new business, you've got to be able to have enough money to pay people, have enough money to onboard equipment. Um, it takes time and money to get, you know, new business. So I think we're ready. 2022 was about sustainability. My brother passed away. It was just Tamala, you know, navigating, make sure that nobody missed a paycheck, nobody, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot to replace him. You know what yeah, I mean? It wasn't, yeah. you know, just, 
he died and, you know, everything was okay. I, I mean, we literally had to have people step up and do some of his roles. I had to train people on things that I may not have done. Um, I, the equipment part of it was never really my thing, but I had to learn about equipment. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right, right. Um, I've had to learn about what trucks um, work better, what motors work better. Um, even doing cost statements and you know bidding and renewals, I mean, I had to do a much deeper dive. Um, what we used to do when we're bidding, he takes a stab, I take a stab, and then his number's way over here, I come way over here, and then we fight and argue. And then somewhere we get over here. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So I didn't have that. Um, I had to negotiate a really big contract last year, two of them. Uh, and that was challenging. And it was kind of sad because I'm like, you know, I'm having to kind of do all this and there's nobody to argue with. So <laughs> my number is going to be way over here. They're going to be like, what the hell is this lady getting? Right, right. Whereas Donald, he was very. You're you know, missing the yang, the yeah. yin to your yang. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sustainability it's what we focus on and making sure that i had my managers in positions where they could do say the fuel taxes um learning how to do that type of stuff and then 23 same thing just making sure that we start growing i just ordered um some more trucks um and that was stressful i'm like i we, we ordered 18 trucks I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I where i signed <laughs> uh, Reluctantly. You know I mean? <laughs> so, um, and just having just the right team, you know, I have consultants who kind of negotiated the deal for me. And I'm like, okay, can we have a meeting? Let's talk about what I'm signing. Right. You know what I mean? And that was just to make sure that we are, I'm signing the right thing. I'm not signing my life over. That's right. Do you know what I mean? So I did that. And that was a big deal for me. Um, it was also kind of sad because it's like my brother really died mm. and it's really just me. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, well, you know, a lot of people don't can't tell that it, it can be a little sad. It can be a little stressful because it is a lot, you know what I mean, on me. But, you know, I make it work. I mean, I go with the punches. I mean, if it doesn't work out, we just figure out another way to get things done. Yeah, I think it's so cool that you were able to build a business with your sibling because that that's very rare. A lot of times siblings don't even get along after they're like of age. You know what I mean? <laughs> or key word, there was a lot of fighting and fussing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was almost like a, a good cop, bad cop thing when it came to business. Mm. Um, and I think that's what my brother could appreciate um, when it came down to business. So I was always... I don't want to say I was a bad cop because I am very nice. Um, but I'm the person that terminates people. I don't like terminating people, but I am the person that have to have the conversation. Right. So when you're siblings, it kind of goes like, what you doing? You need to call and fire, you know, Michael Smith. Now I'm not playing, Bye. I got to go. Uh, well, what? I mean, why I got to fire him? What did he do? I, he, he just brought me lunch. He brought me coffee and a donut today. <laughs> now I'm fire him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, what, what, what happened? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. The next day, did you fire Michael Smith? I'm like, but you, I mean, but you didn't tell me what I <laughs> Why? Well, I got to fire him. 
Do what I say. Bye. <laughs> I mean, oh so my God. Sometimes it's kind of like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. With like the whole sibling rivalry uh, thing. And sometimes it's financials. It's like, did you make more? It's like, well, did you cut yourself a check for that amount? I was like, man, I just had a bad day. I just wrote myself a bonus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just decided, just woke up today and just. <laughs> I was like, dang, I, you know, so it's kind of like that. I'm like, well, dang, somebody. Is that a new car you got? I mean, somebody checked the bank account. So, man, that is funny. I was like, I swear I saw your wife with a new car. It was a Mercedes Benz. I'm like, I don't even look at the bank. I mean, so how long you had that car? That is so funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's always kind of like, uh, you know, it can be interesting. It's fun. Right. Um, but it can be interesting. I, I can't say every day was roses. I mean, got we, it. We have different styles, um, but I'm like I said, I'm, I'm more, you know, black and white. I don't do a lot of gray areas a lot of times just because when you start doing gray areas, then, you know, if I do a favor for one driver, then he's going to tell the other guy. And so, well, why didn't you do it for me if you did it for him? That's right. That's so, right. If you had to give a piece of advice about doing business with family, what would it be? Just one piece of advice. Make sure you understand business um, because. That is, I, I mean, people can do business with siblings, but you have to understand business. You have to understand the financials, how the company's split, who's going to do what. Well, and that doesn't have to be siblings. It, it could be a, any business partner. Any partner. Um, don't allow an open checkbook for either party. If you're going to make a purchase, um, and I told someone this the other day because they were talking about doing business with a partner. I said, if you're going to do business with someone who's not necessarily family, you want to have them expense it with their own money first, pay for their own money, and then expense it back to the business so that you guys can have a conversation about it and make sure it's legitimate. Because like I said, a lot of times people think that when they get a check, you know, that's for, you know, revenue. They actually think that that's their personal money, and it can be confusing to someone who don't understand business. So... Just understand business, outline or define your roles up front, define how the money's going to be split, and define, to your point earlier, the exit strategy. Mm. Um, because you just, you know, can't just quit, right? Um, even with this business, I mean, even if tomorrow I'm like, damn, I, I can't do it anymore. I just can't quit. I've got people, I've got equipment, I've got contracts, um, I've got a lot invested um, in order, you know, for me to walk out the door. So... You just got to be careful with who you do business with. 100%. That's great advice. Number one rule you've learned over the past 20 years in business, if you could lump it up into one thing, what would, you, what would that be? The number one rule? Um, I think I touched on it earlier. You pay yourself. Pay yourself. Make sure, make sure you pay yourself. Because mm. it could be feast or famine, right? Um, if you're not paying yourself, you're not giving yourself um, what you're worth and you, you know, time is not free regardless of who you work for. Um, even if you work for yourself, you, you've got to pay yourself so that you're not walking around, even if it leaves your business, but $2 in the bank. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. That just means that your business is not, not making money. If you only got $2 in the bank after you paid yourself, you're not making money. So you've got to make those adjustments, but make sure you pay yourself. I mean, that's, 
I mean, if you're not happy, the business won't sustain, it won't grow because you're not happy. And that's an easy way to get out of business really quick. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Are you a minority woman owned, like are, are certified as well? or? We were um, with the city of Charlotte uh, and we've tried to do it a couple times. I think I get distracted and bogged down with the paperwork and now being like 22 years in business, I don't even know if you can go back. <laughs> they ask questions like, well, uh, what was your startup capital? And I think I always get hung up on that. It's like, what was that? Is that $5,000 I had to compete? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. We get hung up on some of those questions and we we have never actually completed a complete application to, be, to actually do it. We need but to But you do are, it. but you yeah. just haven't filled out the paperwork yes. fully and still have had massive success. But I just threw that out there. I didn't know if there's other, you know, like you had other government contracting opportunities via that type of certification. I'm sure. And that's one thing I'm going to put on my um, milestone, our goals. Yeah. Because um, we've, um, and I've been working with my employees in terms of goals and that milestones are important we need to be able to measure and track our milestone our goals our kpis that you had mentioned earlier because otherwise we have no way of knowing whether or not we're making progress if we're just going day by day and responding to problems and issues then i mean i guess we're doing our job but we're not growing yeah you know what i mean we need to be able to measure okay you need to have this done by the end of the week is it done no okay so maybe you're not managing your work low correctly or maybe you know i need to make some adjustments with the staff maybe you don't need to own it maybe this is not you know something that you can do but those are those are the ways that we measure how people whether or not people can do a particular job or whether or not that's something that i need to do as opposed to allowing someone else to do um but that's pretty much it got it outside of transportation any other investments any other entrepreneurial exploits um, I do real estate investing. I have rental properties, um, three rental properties um, okay. that I manage. Got it. Outside, but that's. Got I mean, it. I've been it doing it for so long. It's I, forget, you know, you just don't even think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I got I mean? you. I got you. And you're so busy running your operation. I'm sure. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I got rental properties. It's like. You can't remember that? I'm like, look, the tenants send their check. <laughs> Section 8 deposits the money. Yeah. Uh, and if something wrong, call the handy guy directly and he'll call me and say, yo, the tenant needed this. I'm like, oh, okay, well, how much is that? I that's cash app, right. I write a check, and that's that's it. I mean, yeah. I'm not chasing tenants around or, you know what I mean? I, nothing. Most of my tenants have been in my places for a while. So um, I haven't had to necessarily you know, do a lot of maintenance because most, once they get in, I mean, they typically don't go. It's all good. How, how is Charlotte as a city? I mean, you've been there for, for a while. Is it, do you, is it look on up? Do you, you like what you're seeing going on in Charlotte? Cause I've been hearing good things about it. Yeah, what are Charlotte's, your thoughts? Charlotte's a great city. Definitely. If you have a family, um, it's a great city. Um, there's a lot of good schools. Um, and I'm a, if I move to another city, you've got to have an NFL team, NBA <laughs> team. There has to be some level of uh, entertainment. So Charlotte's growing. I mean, it's becoming to have a little metropolitan feel. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Um, I went out um, with, we had a mom's night out, and we were downtown looking at some places. I'm like, okay, Charlotte's got, it's a Tuesday night, and people are <laughs> people having outside, a good time. People outside, they're having yeah. a good time. That's what's up. That's what's so up. They've gotten a lot of, do restaurants a lot of new concepts i mean i 
I would tell people all the time, Charlotte's a great place to live. Yeah. It is home. I'm probably a little bit more biased, but it is overall an excellent place to live. Got it. Got it. Well, Tamla, this has been fun, man. Um, getting to learn about your business uh, and just everything. I, it was this interview was everything I expected it to be. Oh, wow. OK. I, 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 can, I, I can say I'm very pleased, man. This was good. Is there anything else that you'd want to add that maybe I didn't ask that you'd want to kind of. I think we pretty much hit everything. I think when I describe myself, I'm like a wife, a mother, an entrepreneur. I'm a corporate professional. I'm a problem solver. Um, all of the above. I mean, I care about my family. I care about my employees. Do you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, um, I want people to know that, you know, I'm not perfect. I, there's going to be mistakes that we make, but it's never intentional. I mean, we just, in general... I try to do the right thing about myself, by everybody that's around me. So yeah, got it. Okay, cool. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap. Um, but before we do that, we have two last things. One one we have to let everybody know where they can connect with you personally. Whatever is your best platform, whether it's email, social media, whatever. And then lastly, we always do a final thought. So that final thought could be something spiritual, entrepreneurial, just a final jewel to leave the audience with. Oh. So um, let's start with uh, where people can connect with you and reach out oh, to you. People can just call my office directly. We are VIP Career Express, like very important person. Our business model is based on this idea that we give our packages, our customers, the VIP um, Career Express, um, give them the VIP treatment. So they can right. reach out directly to our office. Or they can uh, email our website is www.vipcouriereexpress.com um, and say, hey, Tamla, I have a question for me. But that's the best way. Got it. Me. And then the final thought. What do you want to leave our audience with? I would say thank you for the opportunity. Um, I can tell you that um, I am very humble just for you to ask. I am very shy. Um, I understand that with this role of being a CEO and an entrepreneur with a company of this magnitude, that I have to play certain roles in which I may be uncomfortable with. I, this idea of me being a leader. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know if I'm a leader. A role model, yeah, I don't know. But I want people to know that I'm human like everybody else. Uh, I make mistakes and um, you know, I will embrace the idea that people do look up to me. It's it's hard because, you know, I'm just little Tamla. Um, <laughs> but I will embrace it. Um, I will definitely, um, I never turn anybody back if they want advice on how to be a better person or what they can do um, to grow their business. So I'm open. I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, my final thought of what I want people to know about me, but... I think sometimes when you are in the seat, people get a perception of you mm -hmm. um, that, oh, she has this air about her. She's not even looking at me or I tried to say, hey, she wasn't paying attention. Um, it's a lot of times we are busy. Our minds are you know, preoccupied, but I am open. Um, if people have questions, they want to call me, just you know, call the office. They'll give you my email or they'll leave a message and I call people back and I'll tell you anything you want to know if there's questions um, or well, just want to run a business idea by me, I'll tell you what I think, or I can connect you with people that may be able to help. 
Got it. Have you ever thought about doing any like mentorship for like young young women, young girls? Um, I have, and I do. Like it's it's just not traditional. Yeah. Um, in the sense of you know meeting with somebody every single day, I am um, by default the person that people calls and ask about college and how to apply for this or what about financial aid or you know my daughter is you know becoming a middle schooler. Where can I buy clothes? Can you talk to her? Tell her about what you do. Um, you know, I want you to be a role model. Let her call you and she asks you questions. Um, so I do that a lot. Um, and it wasn't until maybe a year ago that I actually quantify the number of times I get these kind of calls just from people in general. Yeah. And it's just natural. Oh, you can do that. Well, let me call you back. Well, let's, I'll call you when I get home. And, you know, you can give people all the information that want or you can point them in the right direction. So, OK, OK, man. Well, that was a good one. So Hustle Fam, if you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. You know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it is only a desire. This has been another amazing conversation. Myself, Tamala, VIP Courier Express. We are out. Peace. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go!